Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. It's always a delight to be able to proclaim God's Word. This evening we're going to be thinking about the theme of being a friend of Jesus. And so uh, in John chapter 15, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. Um, And it's the night before he died. Jesus had many important things that he wanted to convey to his disciples. In fact, uh, this segment of scripture from John 13 to 17 is the lengthiest and one of the most significant uh, interactions that Jesus had with his disciples. It is also one of the most personal interactions that he had with the twelve. And so John 15, beginning at verse 5, and I will read to verse 17. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man bears, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. <clears throat> Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then my Father will give you whatever you ask in his name. This is my command. Love each other. And I just want to read again verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, I hope that this scripture here is a big encouragement for each one of us here this evening. Jesus says, I am no longer calling you servants. Instead, I am calling you friends. I am elevating your status from servant level to friend level. He said previously, 
I have called you servants. In fact, we are still servants of the Lord Jesus. In Luke, Jesus says, when you have done all that is commanded you, you need to say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what is our duty. On one occasion, when the disciples were arguing with each other as to who was the greatest among them, then Jesus says to them, the kings of the Gentile exercise authority. They like to use their power. They like to throw their weight around. It shall not be so among you. Instead, the greatest one among you needs to be your servant. And that's the way it should be for anyone who's a leader of any Christian organization. Whether it's the local church or a Christian school or a parachurch organizations, leaders in Christian organizations should not be obsessed with power and greedy for money. They need to be servant leaders. And so when Jesus identifies us as his friends, it's not in the place of being servants. It's in addition to being his servants. We are both servants as well as friends of Jesus. Our Lord Jesus is calling us to be a unique kind of a servant, a servant who is also a friend. Notice that Jesus gave a reason for calling us his friends. Everything that I have learned from my Father, I have conveyed to you. Now, how does it work with... um, CEOs of major corporations, uh, those who have executive status, uh, you think that they are going to convey to a janitor or someone who works in the call room, um, are they going to convey the, the secrets of corporate strategy? No, it usually doesn't happen that way. But Jesus says here to his disciples on this night before he died, look, Disciples, everything that the Father has conveyed to you, conveyed to me, I am passing along to you. So you're no longer my servants. You're you're on a friendship level with me right now. So yeah, that's an unusual kind of a thing. Um, Jesus is saying, I am going to give you all kinds of insider information about this organization, uh, the kingdom of God. You are going to get secrets of the kingdom. And so as you read through these uh, chapters, 13 through 17, there's all kinds of good things, secrets of the kingdom that Jesus is sharing with his disciples. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgments. He was sharing with his 12 uh, many of the secrets of the kingdom. Everything that he learned from the Father, he shared with them. And one of those secrets that he shared with the disciples on the night before he died is, I am going to the Father. I must go to the Father. In fact, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, cannot come unless I go to the Father. And he makes it clear to them, it is to your advantage if I go 
to be with my father. Jesus was still able to be a friend to his disciples, even though he would be in heaven. In fact, a far better friend than he was before. Why? Because we learn from other scriptures like Romans 8 that one of the things that he does in heaven, as I alluded to in this morning's service, is that he intercedes for us. It's one of the most responsibilities, most important responsibilities he has in heaven right now. Praying for us. And the things that he's praying about for you and for me are exactly the things that we need praying for. Because in this friend Jesus, we do not have an unsympathetic high priest. Instead, we have someone who feels our weaknesses, someone who's familiar with the temptations that we struggle with, because he's had to face the same kind of thing himself. And so, whatever it is that's on your heart, whatever it is that is getting you discouraged, tell Jesus about it, because he's your friend. He loves you, and he cares for you. I remember a time about 25 years ago. My dad and I were sitting down together. My dad passed away about 20 years ago. My dad and I were sitting down together at my dad and mom's house in Kalamazoo, and we got into a theological discussion. It was one of those occasions in which I was trying to impart upon my dad the benefits of my theological education. And he was, who had a sixth grade education, he was trying to impart upon me Uh, the benefits of his many years of studying and reading the Bible. The problem, however, was that neither one of us were appreciating the benefits that the other person was trying to bestow. You might call it an argument. The topic we were discussing was friendship with God and with Jesus Christ. And I was trying to convince him of the priority of having a close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that we can call him our friend. And my dad was saying, no, that can't be. God is a holy God. Jesus is a holy Jesus. He is to be honored and revered and worshipped. You shouldn't be talking about Jesus as your friend. And when we we went back and forth for a while, and finally I said, okay, Dad, let's take a look at John chapter 15. So we both opened up our Bibles, and I read the verse that we looked at earlier. No longer do I call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, because all that the Father has revealed to me I have made known to you. And I said, Dad, now that clearly says to me that we now need to, that we are friends of Jesus. And my dad got real quiet and reflective, and he said, that's beautiful. And I want to tell you, it felt really good to win that argument. But I'll never forget those words of my dad. He said, that's beautiful. Jesus calling us 
his friends. He was very much impacted by that. He got real quiet, reflective, and the Lord was touching his heart. It was something that he never thought about before. He had probably read that scripture before. I'm sure he had read that scripture before, but somehow or other, it never had clicked with him to think of Jesus as a personal friend. John the Baptist was involved in both a preaching and a baptizing ministry. And for a certain period of time, maybe six months, maybe a year, Jesus and John were simultaneously engaged in ministry, both of them preaching, both of them baptizing. Some people noticed what was going on. And so they approached John and they say, you know, John, Jesus is preaching and baptizing on the other side of the Jordan River. People are flocking to him. What do you think about that? And in John 3, verse 23, John says, a man can receive only what is given from him from heaven. I have testified to you that I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's. And then John the Baptist says, that joy is mine and it is now complete. He must increase. I must decrease. So, to answer your question... You guys want to know whether I feel like I'm in competition with the Lord Jesus as he's baptizing over on the other side of the Jordan and I'm baptizing here. I am not at all in competition with the Lord Jesus. I am a friend of the bridegroom. I am Jesus' friend. I wait for him. I listen for him. I'm full of joy when I hear him teaching and engaged in ministry. And you need to know that his ministry is going to grow and expand. My ministry is going to shrink. In fact, he says, I'm just a friend, a friend of the bridegroom. It's my privilege and joy to be his friend. So if you want to go to the other side of Jordan and listen to Jesus and be exposed to his preaching and become his disciples, go. You have my blessing. Now, this applies to you and I today. We are friends of the bridegroom. In fact, there's a Christian ministry out there somewhere that's called Friends of the Bridegroom. Very good name for a Christian ministry. In Luke 5, Jesus says to the paralytic who was lowered from the roof, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. In John 11, 11, Jesus says to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And Jesus considered Mary, Martha, Lazarus as his close friends. Now the word of God teaches not only that we are friends of Jesus, also we are friends of God. One of the unique things that the scripture says about David is that David was a man after God's own heart. And what it says about Abraham in James 2.23 is that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. What an amazing thing to say. Abraham was called God's friend. 
in Exodus 33:11. It says that whenever Moses went into the tent of meeting to meet with God, the pillar of cloud would come down on the tent of meeting. And then it says that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. By contrast, it is possible to be a friend of the world. And that's what many people choose to do. In their hearts, they value most highly money or drugs or an immoral lifestyle or something else. What James 4 verse 4 says is this. Anyone who chooses to become a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. To be sure, we need human friends as well. A good, lasting friendship is a valuable thing to have. I hope that all of us here have good friendships with others inside the church family as well as in the community, friendships that we very much value. For some of us, it may have happened that people who we thought were our friends turned out not to be our friends at all because when we really needed them, they weren't there. Today, there are many who use people and value money. It needs to be the other way around. We use money and value people. A couple of years ago, I watched a documentary on 9-11. It recounted the story of some of those who were in the North Tower and barely escaped with their lives, some of them getting out of the building just a minute or two before the tower collapsed. A group of people were on the 11th floor on the North Tower when the South Tower collapsed. And the dust cloud generated by the collapse of the South Tower penetrated into the North Tower, including the stairway. And so seven, eight people, I don't remember exactly how many, decided to proceed down the stairs. But one older man decided to stay behind and look after an older woman who was physically unable to proceed. Then a few minutes later, some firefighters came along. They said to the older man, you get down those stairs right now. And if you don't go down, we will throw you down the stairs. Don't worry about this woman. We will carry her down. And that older man made it out alive. Now those firefighters and fire responders were being good friends, very good friends, to those who needed to be rescued. Of the approximately 3,000 people who died in the Twin Towers, 411 were first responders. And 343 of those 411 were firefighters. They were great friends, many of them sacrificing their lives to rescue those inside the tower. There are many people in today's world who are great friends. The reality however, is that human friendships sometimes fail. Not so with Jesus. Jesus never fails us. And he's always available as a friend. He is always accessible. At any given moment, we can talk to him as a friend and unburden ourselves and let him know 
how we're hurting and why we're hurting and what our needs are in the person of Jesus Christ. We have a great friend, a perfect friend who carries all our difficulties and sorrows and burdens. What a fantastic friend we have in Jesus. Far and away, the greatest friend in our lives is the person of Jesus. And this friendship that we have with Jesus is not a 50-50 kind of an arrangement. Jesus has done far more for us than what we can ever do for him. In verse 13 of our scripture, Jesus says in so many words, you want to know the greatest demonstration of friendship? Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for a friend the greatest demonstration of friendship ever displayed in human history was when Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Because in doing that, he did something that no one else was capable of doing. No mere human is capable of enduring the wrath of God against our sins. But that's what Jesus did for us, the greatest demonstration of friendship. Thank you, Lord our God, for your word and all that it teaches us, uh, for all the richness and depth of thought that's there, for what it teaches us about friendship, friendship with one another, um, friendship with the Lord Jesus, friendship with God, you, the Father, yourself. And so we are grateful, Lord Jesus, that you demonstrated the greatest level of friendship, that you offered the supreme sacrifice so that we have been set free from our sins and obtain the glorious liberty of the children of God. And so, yes, we pray that you would so stir in our heart that we would develop our friendship with you and at the same time, reach out to others as well, to know what it is to be a good friend to others. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.